Welcome to Sheer Jashub, a Bible study broadcast brought to you by the Fellowship of Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. This is Patty Scalzo. Today, my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, will be continuing the study on heavenly authority. At the end of the program, I will be giving an address where you will be able to write to us. But for now, let's rejoin Pastor Greg as he continues his Sunday message. Today we pick up our background study in the Old Testament on heavenly authority by looking at the man named Balaam. And you remember that at this point in our study, we're developing an understanding of the distinction between the prophet of God versus the man of God. And we are considering also the difference between the prophet's heart and the prophet's words. Last time, we started to see these differences when we considered Aaron and Miriam. Aaron the prophet priest and Miriam the prophetess. And we contrasted them to Moses, who not only was a prophet, but was a man of God, a servant of God, who was faithful in all God's house. We'll see in today's study that this Balaam is quite an interesting character. And we're going to turn to the book of Numbers and Numbers chapter 22. In Numbers chapter 22, the Israelites are on the move going toward the promised land. And Moses has sent a message to Sihon, the king of the Amorites, asking nicely to quickly pass through his land and promising not even to drink water from his wells. But Sihon would not allow it, and he gathered all his people, and he went out against Israel in the wilderness. But Sihon and his people are totally defeated. And Israel took all their cities, and remember now, they're on the opposite side of the Jordan and the Dead Sea from Canaan, from the Promised Land. Then, as they turned and they went by the way of Bashan, Og, the king of Bashan, also goes out against them. And he, his sons and their people, are likewise totally defeated by the Israelites under Moses. So when they come back uh, and camp in the plains of Moab, the Moabite people, their king, Balak, are greatly afraid. They've heard what's happened. And there's great fear among them. And that's where we pick up in Numbers chapter 22 and verse 1. Then the children of Israel moved and camped in the plains of Moab on the side of the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people, because they were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. They're sick with dread. Verse 4. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, and we've spoken about the Midianites, now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. So he's their king. And he's trying to make this alliance with the Midianites who live further south from this area. But he's saying, look how numerous they are. Something has to be done. 
Verse 5. Then he, speaking of Balak, sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him, saying, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are suddenly next to me. Therefore, please come at once, curse this people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So Balaam, the son of Beor, he lives in Aram, in a town, Pethor, near the river. And that river is the Euphrates River. He's up in the area of Aram. And Balak asks him to come and curse his people. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So obviously Balaam's reputation is well known. And this sounds similar to the promise that God makes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, when he says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. But notice from this, ultimately any blessing or cursing worth considering comes directly from or is sanctioned by God. It's his sovereignty. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. God tells Abraham. But what does Balak say here? What does he say to Balaam? He says, I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Balaam, you're really good at this blessing thing, he's saying to him. Now, Balaam is used by God. We're going to see this. And we will see the blessings that God makes to Israel that come out through the mouth of Balaam. And very possibly, in the past, there has been revelations to Balaam. Revelation Balaam has received, blessings he's spoken from the Lord that could have secured his reputation reaching down even to Moab. But Balak makes a very common mistake. Because there has been a display of some type of supernatural endowment in the case of Balaam, he mistakes the man for his God. I know that he whom you bless is blessed. You're the one doing it, Balaam. Not that you represent one who is the ultimate one who gives the blessings and the curses. And we'll see that when he says this, he's not saying, look, I know that you know your God. I know that you know your God's will and you proclaim his will on earth. That you bless and that you curse as God ordains you. He's not saying that. He's not saying, I know that you're a man of God, whom God hears because you know and desire his kingdom to come. We're going to see he's not saying that. Rather, Balak sees the power coming from Balaam himself. As though Balaam the vessel controls the anointing and not from Yahweh, the Lord who's behind the anointing. And people do the very same thing today. Some who see a miracle or sense that a person has a touch from heaven may want to get near that person or receive some blessing or prayer from them, not because they want to know that person's Lord, but rather selfishly, almost superstitiously, 
because they want some benefit for themselves. Balak sees the gift coming from Balaam. I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. He sees the gift coming from Balaam, not from God. And if the gift comes from a man, then what? Perhaps, perhaps that man can be manipulated. Manipulated to bring about Balak's desire. So Balak and those like him hope. And of course we know their logic is faulty. Their vision of God is of some impersonal force that can somehow be used and harnessed. And they see religion simply as some set of runes or rituals to accomplish or bring about an end which they desire. They become superstitious. They become dull in their understanding of the living and the personal God. So we read in verse 7, So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the divinest fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam, and they spoke to him the words of Balak, the divinest fee in hand. And so the manipulation begins. That word there for diviner is Q-E-C-M, kasem in the Hebrew. And it means a lot as in casting a lot. It means divination or the divinest fee, an oracle. And divination is the act of foretelling the future by interpreting omens or by using magic powers. Divination was a pagan parallel to prophesying. There's a couple of things we need to understand about the people at this time. First, all the people we know came from Noah and his family, and on that ark there was the knowledge of Yahweh. The knowledge of Yahweh was passed down to the different peoples. But as it was passed down, it was contaminated, and it was changed to varying degrees with different groups as each went their own way. And their religions reflected different points in the slide from the truth down to demonism. But still there were those who knew God, who retained a knowledge of God. And there were those apart from Abraham and his offspring. We've talked about Job. We've spoken about Melchizedek. We saw Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. All are examples of this, knowing Yahweh and yet not being a Hebrew. And now we'll see that Balaam is another. He's not a Hebrew, yet he clearly and obviously recognizes Yahweh as the one God. But all the different cultures, the different nations at this time are at different points in their knowledge of who God is, having some truth and then a lot of perversion and twisting comes in as their hearts become hard. We also have to understand that the people had a very keen sense of the impact of the spiritual realm on their earthly lives. This could be unfamiliar to us. We come from modern America, which for the most part has been a materialistic culture with emphasis on scientific rationalism. Although there's always a sense of the supernatural that kind of runs through our culture. But in the days of the Israelites, all the nations, all the cultures knew the spiritual realm. They just forgot the God 
who was over all. And so they were open and ready recipients for all types of demonic activity and demonic twisting. And so you had diviners, you had sorcerers, you had those who interpreted omens. Even as today we start to see a resurgence of psychics and astrologers and tarot card readers. Paul cautions in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20 that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. What an interesting point at which to leave our study. We hope that today's broadcast has been a blessing to you and has helped you in your knowledge of God's holy word. Remember, we love to hear from our listeners. If you have any comments or questions about the program topic, or if you feel led of the Lord to support the evangelical outreach of Sheer Jeshub, please send all correspondence and donations to Shear Jashub, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. That's Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. We invite you to join us for Sunday service. Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the town of Madison on the shoreline in the upper room of the Memorial Town Hall on Meeting House Lane. Services include praise and worship, the Lord's Supper, and Bible study. Directions are, take I-95 to exit 61 in Madison, go down to Route 1, turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next broadcast when we pick up Pastor Greg's sermon on Heavenly Authority.